We're going to begin this morning. We're talking about the types of Christ or pictures of Christ in the Old Testament or throughout the Bible, actually, at this point. But and I want to read a passage in Colossians 1 to begin with. <clears throat> We've talked about being impressed. Good morning, brother. Sister. Little man. Uh, we talk, we've talked also about you know being impressed with the value uh, as we study the Word of God and as we read the Word of God of Christ being the sum and the substance of all Scripture. That He is the sum. That means you add it up. Everything you find in the Bible is pointing you to Christ. Every single passage, every single Scripture, every single event, every single character, every single happening in the Bible, the substance of it, it's all about Christ. So that's, that's what so far we've really just talked about the value of that, understanding that as you study God's word, that it's not primarily about you, <laughs> it's about Christ. And so uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12, we find a great example of that. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or fit he made us fit to be partakers and uh some people said that means make us able it's more than that we're fit in his sight he sees us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son if anybody ever tells you that you know obviously i'm dogmatically premillennial and I believe the kingdom is future but if they try to tell you there's no kingdom now <laughs> we're right here we're translated into a spiritual kingdom of God right now we're taken out of darkness into the kingdom of God that's why when you're saved your eyes open and you're like I don't even belong in this world anymore because you see you can see the kingdom of God through the new birth and then it says in verse 14 in whom so we're talking about the son is the antecedent of in whom the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who, talking about Christ, can still, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. So, if you've seen me, he said, you've seen the Father. He's the express image of the Father. How do we know God? It's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's it. And, and I was talking to Samuel last night. We were having a good discussion about the Bible and talking about what we believe about grace, election, and all those things, how, 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 how prevalent it is in, in our doctrine and what we believe. And what's practical about that is when you preach the doctrines of grace, you give people no other hope, no hope in themselves. The only hope they have is Christ. And that's it. And you say, well, well what, what, what do you mean by that? Christ. <laughs> you give me some instructions, please. <laughs> it's all Christ. If, if I say anything, cast yourself on Christ. You have no other hope in yourself. And that's the practical aspect of most of what we believe. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created. So that's the one, the one that laid in the manger, the one that was in Mary's womb, 
the one that stood beside the well, the one that suffered. He's the one that created all things that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. It doesn't matter how powerful a person is, how powerful a being that God created is. All of it's created by Christ himself. He's the creator of all of it. All things were created by him, and notice that. For what purpose? For him. <laughs> how, much, how much involvement does he have in the word of God? In our life, in salvation, in the world. And he is before all things. Now, I'm, I'm uh, trying to become cultured and educated. I'm just a country boy from southern Oklahoma. He's before all things. I know what that means. There's him and there's nothing else. Then there's the next thing. That's who we're talking about. He's before all things. And by him, all things consist. So he's holding it all together. There's not a random molecule in the universe that he isn't holding it together. He was upholding all things by the word of his power while he was purging our sins on the cross. You realize that? Upholding all things by the word of his power while he's purging our sins on the cross. How could he be doing that? He was upholding all things by the word of his power when he was a baby laying in a manger. He was upholding all things by the word of his power when he was laying in a tomb dead. You say, how's he do that? Because death's not a cessation of existence. Death is simply a separation from the body just like us. He was still at work. And always has been. He never stopped. So he continued to uphold all things. Make all things consist and stay together. The planets rotating as they do. While he was in his earthly ministry walking. Doing miracles of mercy. Preaching the gospel. Teaching his apostles. He still making the planets go like they're supposed to. In all the galaxies, he was still doing that. You realize he didn't lay aside any of his attributes. If anybody tells you, well, he left all his attributes so he could become like us. No, he left his glory. But he's still the same person. Everything about him has always been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's our Lord. And so here it says that all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and by him all things consist. The way things continue, the way they are, the reason they all hold together, it doesn't all fall apart, it's because of him. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Now I think there's probably more to this firstborn from the dead but at the very least it means he's preeminent above everybody else above everybody that's born again above everybody that's ever going to be resurrected and everything else that exists and it says for it pleased the father in him that in him in Christ should all fullness dwell so all the fullness chapter 2 Verse 9 says, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's just the one person of the Trinity that all three dwell in. Everything about God is in Christ. Every single thing about God is in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. So what is, what is he the first in 
everything. <laughs> everything. The Lord Jesus Christ is number one in, well, what do you mean? You name it. That's what he's number one in. Everything. And here it says, for it pleased the Father in him that all fullness should dwell. And then now, getting really down to where it means a lot to us, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile not just us, all things. Because through the fall of Adam, there's a separation of creation from Christ. Because he's perfect, he's holy, he can't be part of it. And he, never, he wasn't part of, of the sin of this world, even when he came in his earthly ministry. But the purpose on the cross was even more than just us being redeemed. It's that he'd be reconciled to every single thing that he made the way he made it. And it'd all be brought back to him. And he would see the glory he had with the Father before the world was. And that's what he prayed for. And whatever he prays for, that's what he gets. He made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. <laughs> so he did it by him. The cross was done by Christ in order to reconcile all things by Christ. <laughs> it's him doing it when he's doing it. And I say whether they, uh, they be things in earth or things in heaven. So it doesn't matter what it is. It's all he's doing everything, holding it all together, reconciling it to himself, for himself, for his glory, because he made it. And I love the idea when he comes back that all this is going to be revealed when Christ comes back. You realize when he comes back, it's going, everything's going to be crystal clear. Everybody in the world's going to get it. They're going to realize it. Everybody, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And when he comes, it's in judgment and it's in glory to receive us. But he's going to say, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> and we're going to go, yes, sir. Amen. It's yours. And we'll be glad. Right now it is. But it's not recognized that way. But one day it will be. And either you bend your knee now and get ready. I'm loosening mine up, getting it ready. <laughs> or you're going, to be, you're going to do it. I don't care who you are. You're going to do it. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. And you're going to realize. And every single person on this planet that ever existed on this planet is going to realize what this book is about. Because it's really not a what. It's a who. And when he comes, that's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn that every single thing that exists, every single thing that's written in the word of God, is all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why am I saying this? Because when you read your Bible, <laughs> it's more than just an instruction book. You know, you hear a lot of people say, well, here's the instruction book. Yes, I, I agree with that. But it's more than that. If you're just getting instructions for your life out of it, you're missing it. This is how you know Christ. It's how you know God. And it's all about him. It's all about him. You can't do anything better in your life than to rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, what do I need to do? Give me the list of stuff to do. We love that, don't we? <laughs> There's plenty of those in the Bible. You'll find plenty of things to do, and God will convict you as you read it. But here's what you need to do. Rest in Christ. Trust him. Step out on faith, and you trust Christ for whatever's going on in your life. You trust him. Completely rest in him. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Yoke up with Christ. His burden is easy, or his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. It's not a do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's rest in Christ. Trust him. 
Trust him. You can't. That's, that's the first step. You do that, everything else, take care of itself. You truly, sincerely seek Christ. When you're reading the Bible, when you're living, when you're praying, everything, it's going to work out. So what we're talking about so far is the value of this, the value of recognizing that everything's about Christ. Everything in the word of God is all about Christ. All the prophets, all of the prophets, what they write about? Every single one of them. What was, what was the other stuff they wrote about? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and you say, well, there's all kinds of things that's not Christ. Then you haven't seen it yet. I may not see it either, but he said that. Peter said that. All the prophets proclaim Christ. All of the scripture, the whole Bible, is telling us about Christ. Everything, everything in the Bible... What about the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, I'll send you the Comforter. And who's he going to testify of? Christ. He's not going to testify of himself. You realize that? If you hear a preacher say, well, the Holy Spirit's here today telling us to look to him. He's not doing that. He's pointing you to Christ. Does that mean we don't worship the Holy Spirit? Obviously we do. He's precious. But he's not pointing you to him. He's pointing you to Christ. The Father's telling you what? This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. So the Father is all about the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every angle we can come at this, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. All the Word of God. And so the Bible's all, all about Christ, the sum and the substance of Christ. Everything is picturing Christ, foreshadowing Christ, prophesying about Christ, or some event that gives you an example of Christ, some character that has a, is a type or a picture of Christ. You know, there's, there's so many of them. I, to me, I think the one that stands out the most is Joseph. Just for me, it's just so clear that that's a picture of Christ. You know, how he was treated and then how, how the Lord uh, exalted him before it was over. That's, that's Christ. Uh, David's obviously a picture of Christ as a king and, and so forth. And uh, that's what we mean by this term, type. Type means it's a picture, a foreshadowing of Christ. It's, it's a type of Christ. And the ark is a type of Christ. God saved his people through the ark. Saved eight souls. That was Christ. The flood was God's judgment on wickedness. And the ark saved him. So it's just every, one thing after another is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the Bible. Isaac being taken up to the altar, obviously, by Abraham. That's a picture of the father sacrificing his son for our sins and you can just go on and on and on uh, Christ is so wonderful so beyond anyone else or anything that you can grasp that it truly takes all 66 of these books everything in it all the events all the characters it really takes it for us to know him you couldn't just write one chapter and go oh I see who he is you can't it takes a lifetime of pouring over it and you're still not going to get it Matter of fact, we're not going to get it throughout eternity. We're going to continue to learn more and more about Christ. The angels are amazed that we have as much knowledge as we do, and they're in his presence. And they look at this and go, look what he did for them. It's incredible. And so when you look at this book, don't forget it. Don't forget what we're talking about. We're talking about Christ, and it's his church, it's his word, 
It's his people. It's his spirit. Um, it takes all of these things, all the characters, all the stories, all the different persons, all the different events in the Bible to help us get a grasp. And as you're learning, as you're growing in the Word of God and you're gaining more knowledge through the Word of God, you may or may not realize it, but you're, you're learning to know Christ. You're learning to know him more and more. So, well, I'm learning how God operates in my life. Yeah, that's right, but it's through Christ. <laughs> and it's a picture of Christ, and it's pointing you to Christ, and it's making you more like Christ. And it's all about him. He said, well, you sure talk about Christ a lot. Let me ask you this. He said, well, you step out on faith and you just trust Christ. That, just does, that's not, that doesn't fulfill me enough. How high can you exalt him and then you've exalted him too high? Are we going to say it's all Christ to the point where you go, that's just ridiculous? Some people would do that. They would say that. So you're just over the top with this Christ thing. Can, how can we exalt him enough in anything? Everything's about him. You can't lift him up enough. It's all him. So, well, you're just completely trusting him for everything and that's it? You better be. You're just wanting to learn more about him? Yes. That's exactly right. So it takes everything in the word of God, everything that you can find in the word of God, a little bit here, a little bit there, line upon line, precept upon precept, to build an understanding. Now, we're not all in the exact same place all the time. But as a church, we're building an understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we piece it all together as we go along. And, and we're grasping <laughs> and we're seeking and the Holy Spirit's leading us. And we learn the nature of Christ. We learn what he's like. We learn what he's done. We learn what he's determined to do, how he came and did it, what he's going to come do again. And we just keep learning and learning more and more about Christ. And, and that's what's going on as we study the word of God. That's what's happening in your life and in your heart and in your mind. So how vast is that? You think about when Paul prayed that we would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. It passes knowledge. It's something you can sense it, you can feel it, you can get in the word of God and you go, yes, I know the love of Christ. Explain it to me. Sorry. <laughs> Lay it all out. Give me the depths of it. I can't even reach it. I can't even reach it. I can, I can try and throw a bunch of adjectives out at you and, and tell you how I feel about it and show you scriptures. And then we grow and we grow as we go. The, the nature of Christ, the, the person of Christ, the work of Christ, everything about him is so infinite that you can't reach the bottom of it. You realize this book is not like any other book. This book is a person. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. How many times have we quoted that, right? The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. That means he's sitting outside of everything else and everything else that exists, he made it. And it's him. He's the Word, the Logos. So when you're reading this Bible, you're reading Christ. And it's quick and powerful. That means it's alive. This book's alive. All the other books in the world are not alive. This living book is infinite. It's as infinite as Christ is because it's him. Now, explain that to me. I can't. But I can tell you it says it. And I know it's true. And me knowing it's true and believing it doesn't settle it. The Bible says it settles it. But it, the, book, the whole Bible is Christ himself. That's what blows my mind. That the words written are Christ. He is the word. So we're not just reading about him. We are. But it's him. We open our Bible and we see him because this is him. 
I can't explain that. But he is that eternal word, the eternal word. That's what he was in eternity. The word. So, where does he stand then? That's just another thought, but where does he stand in light of eternity? He invented it. So you think, well, here's the span of time that's eternal. It's not a span of time, it's eternal. He's in the ever eternal present. That's where he exists. That's why his name is I Am. That's Christ. I exist. That's me. He, he's, he's in the midst of it. He's around it. He's above it. He's below it. He's beside it. And I think maybe I said last time I taught that if eternity was the size of, of this building, everything that exists. Now, see if I, how, how did I put that? I can't remember how I put that. And I put a little dot on the board. I think that's the dot right there. <laughs> he, that's him, okay? Yeah, that's it. Like, the, like this building, this town, this state is Christ. Well, this little dot, that's time. And that's not even sufficient. And to us, time is, it's eternal, it's vast, but he's already there. He's already there. You say, how far down the road is he? He's already there. Doesn't matter. How ludicrous is it to think that we're informing him of something? (laughs) He's already there. So, he has all power. Creative power. Sovereign power. Those are not exactly the same. Power is he can do whatever he wants. Sovereignty is he does whatever he wants. He has authority. That means he's been charged with authority. He has, he has charge of the universe. He has, he's in charge. He has authority over heaven and earth. And we can't reach the depth of all that. And then you think of that, and you think of how vast that is. His, his eternality, his power, his sovereignty... And then you think of how much he loves us and what he did. That's the one we're talking about. We're not talking about just a man in heaven that's simply the son of God that just came and was picked out maybe from among the angels or something. He was the best one. And then God sent him for us. No, it's God. It's the creator God. He came and he gave his life, subjected himself to misery and torture how much does he love us and what's he have to do to prove it <laughs> when are we going to get it <laughs> he loves us that way so how, how vast and infinite is his love his goodness to us it's incredible his wisdom how wise is he what does he know about what to do and, and, and when to do it and how we ought to handle things and then we go to some worldly counselor pleading with them to give me the answer. And I'm not saying we should, shouldn't gather to ourselves many counselors. I think it ought to be in a church, by the way. But, you know, if we, we, we start grasping, don't we, when we're desperate for somebody to give us an answer. And he's the wisest, most incredible creator, God. And we can go straight to him. He has all wisdom. And then again, think about his sacrifice. Think about the cross, the wisdom of the cross. How wise was that? It's foolishness to the world. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. Absolutely, that doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you wouldn't what? <laughs> Be like God? <laughs> of course you wouldn't. 
Well, I can't imagine anybody. Well, no, you can't. Of course you can't. It's too wise for you. And his wisdom is in its simplicity. He died for your sins, paid the price. Well, he couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. No, you wouldn't, but he did. And so you think about that. You think about his sufferings and all those things. Uh, the, the love he has for us. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It's not a question. We'd say it like that, Ellen. What manner of love? No, he's, he's declaring it. What manner of love is this? That we should be called the sons of God. He bestowed it upon us. And then, with that thought, his desire towards us. Because then on top of that, and I'm just trying to give you the value. We're going to get to types and we're going to open them up. But I don't know when, how far it's going to take me to get to that. But when you think about all these aspects of his character and his nature, and then you think about his desire towards us. Do you ever think of him and think, well, when I'm praying to him, he's, he's sovereign, he has the power, so I'm going to go pray to him. Because he's the one I need to pray to. But maybe you don't think how much he loves you and really wants to help you. How much he desires you. We say, well, me? What did he do for you? What's he done for you so far? Has he done anything to throw you off to make you think that he wouldn't want to help you? He, has, he longs for his people. He desires us. Look at what he's done to get us to a place one day to be with us for the very purpose that he would pour out the riches of his grace throughout eternity. Ephesians 2, 7. That's his purpose. So he can get us to be with him one day so he could just pour out the riches of his grace. It's like a mountain. Of, I think about... Uh, Scrooge McDuff, you know, with the giant pile of gold coins <laughs> where he's swimming in them, you know, jumps off a diving board. Well, his grace is like that. And, you know, I kind of get the picture of this mountain of grace, and he's just going to shovel it on us and show us kindness through grace for eternity. So this incredible person, his focus is me and you. How amazing is that? You and I. So, all these stories that we're going to look at are pointing us somehow to this great understanding. All the events, every angle you can come at it, every way you can look at it in the Bible, it's constantly Christ. If you see Christ, you're getting it. If you can see Christ, you're, you're figuring, figuring it out. And all the pictures are that. And as you, as you begin to realize that, and you study the word, then you come to a passage like this one in Colossians, and there's more of them. Unto him be glory forever and ever throughout all ages and all that. Everything is talking about him. When you see these clear passages about it, they even become more precious. Like, oh, I really get it. It's not just one passage popping out. This is just more profoundly clear. <laughs> but everything's that way. Everything's that way. And so uh, let me give you another one real fast. In Romans chapter 11. Uh, 11 verse 33 this is after Paul's given this discord on how the Lord called the nation of Israel out blessed them and then they rejected him he cut them off grafted the Gentiles back grafted the Gentiles in then he's going to one day it's going to be the fullness of the Gentiles then he's going to graft Israel back in and the incredible plan of God and in verse 33 Paul says oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God the depth of it I mean, the Apostle Paul, 
He's just breaking out in exaltation. The depth of the wisdom in this plan, it's blowing his mind because the Holy Spirit's inspiring him to write these things. How unsearchable are his judgments? And that doesn't necessarily mean he's sitting on a throne of judgment like we think judgment. His decision-making, right? It's unsearchable. We can't understand it. And his ways are past finding out. They're beyond us. For who hath, been, who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? You ever try to tell the Lord what to do? And then you think, man, that was stupid. <laughs> I do. I still do it. This is what we ought to do. <laughs> I got this figured out. If you just help me and you possibly, I know you could. We could do it my way and it'll work. Why? Because I want to glorify you with my life and you know that's all I want. So let's do it my way. He's like, no. <laughs> I, I get it, but no. Because you're not going to counsel him. You're not going to inform him. What are you going to be able to inform him about? And it says, or who hath first given unto him and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Who, whoever can say, well, the Lord owes me, you know, this one. You know, I did, I did so much for him that he owes me. I think some people probably think that way. I have served him my whole life, and he's going to have to do this for me. That's about the last way you're going to get it, <laughs> thinking like that. And it says, verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are what? All things. It's all of him. It's all to him. It's all going to work through him. See, him, him predetermining what's happening is him declaring it, the end from the beginning, right? The things that are not done. And then him de- declaring that is not just him predetermining it, but him declaring it, that's prophecy. But when it comes to pass, that's providence. That's why we say, well, that was God's will. Well, here it says, why? Because it's, it's of him. He determined it. Through him, he's working it. And to him. It's all for him, for his glory. Uh, and it says, are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. So now we've jumped out of the Bible into your life. And no matter what's happening in your life, no matter how bad it is, how good it is, how complicated it is, how simple it is, it's for him. Everything going on in your life. I'll share something with you. And I... I and just maybe it'd be a blessing to you. And I'm scared to say it, and I may change my mind in 30 minutes. The Lord put me in a place in my life where I truly, truly want whatever He wants in my life. And it doesn't matter what it is. If we go from a pit of hell of depression and sadness to a Turkish prison camp, and it's for his glory and that's what he wants, let's do it. Let's do that. Now, I said I might change my mind about 30 minutes from now. <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> but, the Lord, you know, Apostle Paul, what did he say? He said, I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, of whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Dung's not a very good thing. What was he counting dung? Every single thing in this world besides Christ. And the more you study the scriptures, the more you see Christ, that's the way your attitude is going to change. 
And, that's, and so why are we teaching this? So when you're reading your Bible, you're not just saying, oh, give me a little food today for me. Don't, uh, I need some instructions how to handle this situation. I need to go find, because that, that's it's good. But never forget that it's about Christ, that you're learning more of him and you're becoming more like him as you, as you read the scriptures. And everything's for him. And then your heart begins to change, just like the Apostle Paul said. Nothing in this world matters but Christ. I, I'm getting it. This is about Christ. My life's about Christ. We jump out of the Bible, jump into my life and your life, and it's all about Christ, whether you recognize it or not. <laughs> so get to recognizing it and get to knowing that. And I'm afraid we're living in a society of Christianity that doesn't see that at all. I've heard sermons didn't even mention the name of Christ. I can't even imagine. <laughs> Sister Kay Roger would flip his noodle. <laughs> he didn't say two words he didn't mention Jesus. But there are preachers that they don't even talk about. They talk about God. God's going to bless you. God's going to, this is your year. This is, he's just going to, he's going to bless you. He wants to bless you. He loves you. And what about Christ? What about the gospel? We'll tack that on the end of the message. Here's the gospel. I wouldn't close my message without preaching the gospel to you today. Today is the day for you to make a decision for Jesus. It's like, that's it. That's all you get to hear about Christ. And you got this whole Bible, and that's what it's all about. And you got it in your hand. Don't let that be you. Okay, so anyway, so I went off the lesson and started preaching. But he's amazingly special in every regard. Everything. In every regard whatsoever. Think of Isaiah chapter 9. He was the child that was born. The son that was given, right? Wonderful counselor. Everlasting father. Explain that one. <laughs> Prince of peace. I can get that one. Everlasting father it throws me, jumps the creek with me. But still, yeah, that's true about him. Somehow, he's the father. But he's not the father. So... Humble yourself <laughs> a little bit when you look at some of that stuff, because it does me. The only mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's not another way. It's only Christ. Can we, can we possibly compromise that? It's only Christ. He's the only mediator, the only sinless man. The express image of the Father. This will be our last verse. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11, our last passage. We'll look at that. No. Hebrews chapter 1. Sorry. Okay, Hebrews chapter 1. And this is the Apostle Paul, whose ministry was to the Gentiles, writing one book to the Jews to explain to them that everything that they knew about is fulfilled in Christ. And that everything that they did that they're holding on to that they think is great, he's better. He's the point of the matter. Well, here he says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, all different times and different ways in the past, spake in times past, under the fathers by the prophets. He would send a prophet with a word to speak to the people. And what, what have we studied so far that those prophets were talking about? 
They were talking about Christ, right? And so it says, he hath in these last days spoken to us, how? By his son, same person they were talking about, actually came and spoke to us directly. Whom he hath appointed heir of what? All things. By the way, who are we joint heirs with? So what are we heirs to? And by whom also he made the worlds. So God, the Father, made the worlds by his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory, so the very brightness of the glory of God, if you see God and you're, you're, you're knocked to the ground because of the brightness of the glory, which probably in the state we're in, we'd be incinerated. But if you saw that glory, the brightness, the very brightness of that glory, that's Christ. And here he says, and the express image of his person. That's not just like an image in a mirror. It's stronger than that. It's if you've seen him, you've seen God. Period. You've seen Christ, you see God. And it says, um, express image of his person. And this is the passage I was talking about earlier that says, upholding all things by the word of his power. It's interesting, by the word of his power. It's a creative word. He created everything by speaking it. He created a new life in us by speaking it. And he upholds everything by his word, what he says. He says it, it's done. He didn't have to do anything else. And it says, by the word of his power, when he had purged, when he had by himself. So who purged our sins? Who else was involved? Just that person, the second person of the Godhead is the one. And it says, but he purged our sins. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So we're talking about this is the one. He's the, he's the brightness of the glory of God. He's the very express image of God. He even said it to Philip. You've seen me. You have seen the Father, Philip. And me and Philip both are still trying to figure that out. But that's what he said. How much God is he? Mind-boggling. <laughs> he's all God, right? But he's all man, too, which is also amazing. But I hope that's a blessing. And we're going to get to some... We're going to get to Adam. It's going to be the first person we're going to look at, but it's just so much to talk about. I want you to see the value of it. And I want you to, you know, when you read your Bible, to think, I'm learning about Christ. Don't just say, boy, I'm having a rough day today. I need some food just to get me through. That's good, too. But the food you're getting is Christ in your life, your relationship with Jesus Christ. How you know him, who he is, learning more about him. That's what it's all about until he comes to get us. Okay, take a break.